Professional football in America is a special game, a unique game. Played nowhere else on earth, it is a rare game. The men who play it make it so. What's going on here? What is this? Grease is the word again. Dave Pilkow, what are you doing? Why are you so obsessed with Grease? Well, so is everybody this week as the show Grease Live kicks it in the ratings. An unbelievable performance by Jessie J as we're listening to her sing Grease is the word in an unbelievably fascinating, if you're a guy like me, television show. Something I couldn't have imagined seeing as a child. The things that went into it. The, uh, something you, you just couldn't put together in 1969. Greece is the word. Yeah, it's the Dave Joscow Podcast, everybody. It's another Tuesday morning. Uh, February 2. Groundhog Day. Right, I was wondering why I saw in the paper Groundhog Day was on today. That makes sense. Oh, I wonder if the Groundhog saw a shadow. Well, let's take a look, shall we? Check on the computer. Right? Forgot it was Groundhog Day. This has always been my grandfather's birthday. Um, so I always forgot it was Groundhog Day. But then, um, but meanwhile, my grandfather died in the 70s. But um, then we found out later that his we found his birth certificate. It was in Polish. And once we had it translated... Turned out his birthday was January 27th. So, you know, we also found out my mother's a bastard. <laughs> and then I kept calling her a bastard. And she was like, don't call your mother. I'm like, hey, if the shoe fits, wear it. Let's see. Did the groundhog see a shadow? Just came up right away. Can you believe it? All right. I'm going to give everybody the answer. He did not see a shadow. Punxsutawney Phil did not see his shadow is predicting an early spring. You heard it here first. Ladies and gentlemen, even though this comes out the next day, so you've heard it here second and third, Puxatani Phil did not see a shadow. I repeat, did not see his shadow, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, I get out. I was reading the paper. I'm like, oh, they're showing Groundhog Day today. Why would they show that? Like, why would that be in the section where they're saying, hey, Groundhog Day is saying? Makes perfect sense. The word is the word is the word. Yeah. Grease Live. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Seriously. Uh, I don't know whether you've seen it, but it was really something to see. I mean, uh, I highly recommend, even if you, if you don't like musicals, and I, I get it, but this, uh, this was on Fox on Sunday night at 7 o'clock, three hours. And it, it's not very good, but the... If you watch the opening number, what I just played for you, this Jesse J, and who knows who that is, I'm an old man, um, is uh, amazing. 
and it, it, it's, it's not her. It's just the the opening where she sing agrees the word. They if you see this on YouTube, you you will see why it is. She just comes out and she's going through the way they did this. It, it's it's almost hard to explain. It was a major spectacle of greatness uh, of what a, a television production or or something could be if you have all the people and the finances and the money to do it. They do it half inside, half outside. They've got the actors uh, going on trams back and forth to where they got to go. Uh, the New York Times even, you know, wrote about it in a completely celebratory way. And they say, um, yeah, here he says, the live musicals on television trend is no longer about trying to capture the magic of being in a Broadway house. You know, these guys have upped their game. He says right here, Grease Live was a spectacle. It really was, and I'm saying it's uh, whether the version was good or not, it doesn't matter. You just the way it was presented, and this opening where she's just going through the dressing rooms and seeing all everybody was in character, but they were all in their dressing rooms getting made up. So you're kind of breaking the fourth wall, and also it's it's fun, it's entertaining. They're going through everybody that's in the show, even uh, the old Frenchie uh, comes in. She's playing a waitress now. Is, you know, Dee Dee Khan, we always make fun of all the time because she's John Travolta's friend. I'm still angry about Sarah Silverman not inviting me to Inside the Actor Studio. Um, I'm letting it go. But, yeah, I mean, the way she just goes through the dressing room, through the trailers, and then outside where it was raining because Mario Lopez was, you know, he was playing Vince Fontaine and he's just um, talking about it. He goes like, yeah, it's Grease Live and we have had to deal with everything, including El Nino. I mean, that's great because it's live and it's, you know, it's El Nino out there and it's raining and Jan it rains in January in California. So they were like, it's going to rain. What are you going to do? And the producers are like, we're going to do it in the rain. So the opening scene, they all come out and they're dancing with umbrellas because it was raining a little bit. Completely interesting, fascinating, and what a real live performance should be. I mean, if you want to talk, it's definitely better than a Super Bowl halftime show. I mean, it definitely had the same production. I mean, I, I don't even know how you do it. Plus, the girl who played Rizzo, who was wonderful, Vanessa Hudgens, who I've always liked. You know, she's really hot. She's so hot in this movie, Spring Breakers. Um, but she's a Broadway person and a singer. You know, she was in High School Musical, and she was good then. Uh, she was great. She was really good. And her father died the day before, and she still went on with the show. And it's funny because, uh, well, it's not funny, but... Um, when she's doing there are worse things I could do you would think maybe she'd break down a little bit because uh, there are worse things I could do than go with a boy or two even though the neighborhood thinks I'm trashy and no good I suppose it could be true but there are worse things I could do
it's a very good performance, but I got to tell you, the way it is and the slowness of it, if my dad had just died, I don't know whether I could have gone through it. And I don't even like my dad. So, But, you know, you're in that moment where, uh, you know, let's just say I, I didn't like my dad. But when your dad dies, it's still devastating. No matter who you are, no matter what you are, no matter where you are, no matter how old you are, it's still devastating for at least a week or two or maybe more, um, you know, until you come to grips with yourself. So for her dad to die the day before and if I'm saying to myself, I can't believe, you know, if you're in the moment and you're saying to yourself, oh, my God, I'm in this live production. This is amazing. It's a miracle that I'm here. And then this slow song, which is a very moving, emotional song, uh, it would hit me. And I, uh, and she didn't even crack for a second. She was really good. Although a lot of the performances, um, the singing wasn't as good. That sounds really good, actually, uh, now that I listen to it audio-wise. It seemed like a lot of actors were struggling, probably because they were working so hard and the elements and the rain and everything. It must have been quite difficult, but she did a very good job. And um, this, you know, this uh, Julian Ho... Oh, huff, I keep calling her home. <laughs> she's so hot. She's like multi-talented. You know, she's a classically trained dancer, obviously, when Dancing with the Stars and all this stuff. Trained in London. It's funny that, you know, like when in the uh, scene where they have the dance contest, that, you know, Danny ends up dancing with Cha-Cha de Gregorio, as we all know, because nobody's better than Cha-Cha. Um... You know, it, it, what, a, what a bummer in a way, it, you know, because there's no way that Cha-Cha's better than Julia or Juliana, whatever her name is, uh, Huff, because she's a better dancer. So it's kind of funny that they chose, I mean, Olivia Newton-John was not a dancer and John Travolta was, you know, was, she was out of her league. So it made sense that they would get this other girl who was a better dancer to keep up with John Travolta with um, to play. But in this case, you know, Aaron Tweed, or however you pronounce that guy's name, he's okay, but Julianne Ho Huff, I don't know why I can't get it right. I mean, she's a professional, which is why at one part she's doing these cheerleader competitions outside, and um, she's really good at it, and I think that was just added in that she's just, it's so obvious she's the real deal. So I think they added in some extra dancing for because why wouldn't you? If you have like a pro like this, why not add in some extra stuff for her and uh she was obviously so pretty it didn't even matter if she could sing or dance she is just so sexy um you know just like olivia newton john was who was so hot it didn't matter if she could sing or dance turns out she could sing but she couldn't dance at all but that's okay we let that go we let that go because she was so hot but um yeah this and the guy who played danny Suko, it's just so funny because uh when you see it and he's really good and i like him and i've seen him in a bunch of broadway stuff and i think he's multi-talented but he's old you know so it's like he's got the the crow's feet and everything it looks it just kept reminding me of the simpsons episode where uh, troy mcclure was in the muppet movie and they cut and the, he just is smiling and the his face just gets completely wrinkled that's what it seems like i i don't I don't know why I don't know I don't know how old he is I mean Julianne or whatever I don't know I can't pronounce her name Huff um, she's only 27 so that made sense I guess because she certainly looked like she could be in high school and again you didn't care and all the other girls look perfect but he just looks so old but he did an okay job I don't know you know I mean that's the thing I mean you're obviously going to compare him to John Tron Travolta who's just so cool which is so interesting because he's so gay so he's obviously the greatest actor of our time uh, because he's so cool and everything he does is cool in uh, Saturday Night Fever and Grease and it's very hard to compare 
But it's interesting. Also, the uh, Thunder Road scene uh, where they're racing in the cars, very creative the way it was done, like kind of with smoke and mirrors in a very way. You know, that's hard in this day and age to uh, take a chance at doing Thunder Road where you know you're on a set. So they just did it with like, you know, projection and smoke and lighting and you know, it's interesting because you want to see it. And it wasn't something like that was uncool. It was interesting. And they had a like a live audience there. When they're doing the cheerleading thing, they're actually outdoors. They're going in and out nonstop. And they're outdoors and they're doing the cheerleading. And the live audience is there in the stands, you know, watching them. And it's funny when you see their faces, they're all so smiling. They're so happy to be there. I just have, it, it was just very interesting. Here, this guy says from the New York Times, Neil... I could never pronounce his name. Genslinger. No, I could pronounce it, but I'm just, you know, I'm bad at this. He says, this Grease was in a sense a new art form, not theater, more like Grease the movie, but performed live. Yeah, it was like a new art form. I think that's why I'm, you know, kind of just talking about it more. It's, it's very interesting. Yeah, the show began with Jesse J doing a backstage walkabout while singing Grease is the Word, an attention-getting device that was reminiscent of the opening numbers of some of the recent Tony Awards broadcast. And the first serious sign that this was something more than a film stage production, though, was when Marty, Kiki Palmer, he said, who was a treat, and she was really good, sang a number called Freddie My Love that morphed from a pajama party into a lavish dream sequence featuring a runway promenade it might be technically possible to execute such a thing on stage, but this was a concept that was greatly enhanced by television's versatility. And it really was great in the sense of like, oh, is it great? Like, uh, oh, my God, I've never seen anything. It was just fun and interesting. And when television sucks nowadays, it's good to see people take a chance. And that's what it was. I mean, this was taking a chance and, uh, you know, really just trying something new and different. And I, I think it paid off. I don't know if you could ever do it again or because, you know, it has to be the first time that just makes it so exciting. But when you think about, you know, that it was live, everything has to be choreographed. And that includes, I mean, obviously everything has to be choreographed, duh. But that includes, like, this when this Jesse J is walking down the hallway of the dressing room, Vanessa Hutchins comes, you know, in character. She has to walk in at the exact right time, like, in you know, in a little office space where their dressing room is at the exact right time even you know because think about the act when you're doing a play you got your dialogue you got your motions you got your direction you got your performances that you have to remember now you're also remember the, the television part where like okay after this i have to hop on the tram and go you know 500 yards to there and then get into character for this whole thing that has nothing to do with anything of what we're doing i mean the sets were amazing i mean it really was a hollywood production and um I'll tell you, if I was a little boy again, I would be like, I have to do this with my life. I must be in a performance like this. And it still bothers me to this day that as a kid, um, I never got to do any of that stuff. And uh, it's just so exciting to be involved with it. And all the people that did it should be really happy with themselves. And this, um, they added in a, a, another song called All I Need Is An Angel that this Carly Rae Jepsen played Frenchie sang, which led up to Beauty School Dropout. And this is the, a new song they made just for the television show. It's not very good. She's not very good either. <laughs> but she did okay. Sunny day, won't you finally come my way? If I stay so brave till then. Find my way again 
friend or a stranger. All I need is an angel here tonight. Say it's all alright. You see, she's not as good as Vanessa Hutchins. She's, which is odd, because she's a uh, Canadian Idol winner. So she should be a lot better. But I guess she's not... I mean, it's weird. I don't know how you win those shows without being kind of the best. Her song ain't that great. She's not that great, but... I don't even know what makes her so special that they're like, we've got to give Carly Rae Jepsen her own song. We must. That way three of the girls have their own songs, you know... Um, you have your hopelessly devoted for you. They're uh, they're worst things I could do. And now Frenchie has her own song for some god knows reason. That I mean, if it was a Canadian production, I would be like, oh yeah, I guess. But I'm not sure what the point is. Are you hearing this song? It ain't that great. I mean, if you're gonna do a new song, do a hopelessly devoted to you, or you're the one that I want, which were made just for the movies, you know. Or you know what I always say, like Adina Menzel should have just done that Frozen song in her stupid Broadway show. She should have just done this. I mean, it would have pleased the entire crowd that was there. Just give the people what they want, and they only want you to do this song, dummy. You think about yourself any way you want, but this is all anyone wants to hear. And don't fool yourself with thinking anything else. Yeah, this is all anybody wants to hear. So, you know, take out, you know, if they just replace that song that we just heard before, uh, I Need an Angel, I Am an Angel, I don't know what the hell it's called, with this one, oh man, Grease Live is going to be a bigger hit than ever. Yeah, so this dummy is, uh, she, you know, she does that song, you never hear from her again, except you do if you're, uh, you know, me for some reason, because I listen to the radio sometimes. And she had this is the follow up. Now, this song is very catchy, but the lyrics are the worst you've ever heard. Or are they? They're certainly the easiest to remember, so I can impress my nieces that I know it. I really want to stop, but I just got a taste for it. I feel Tell me if you can remember the lyrics after I uh, play them for you. When we get to the chorus, I don't expect you to remember these. But I need to tell you something. Did you did you hear that? I really, 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 really like you. Yeah, that's the lyrics. <laughs> I wrote that song. I didn't want to. I, I, you know, I wasn't supposed to say anything because we had like a kind of a confidentiality deal. But 
Yeah, I wrote it. I, they didn't think I could, but uh, I just gave them. I'm like, what do you think of this one? And we say like about, I really, really, just, but I wrote it down. I really, 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 really like you. And I gave it to Carly Rae. I'm like, what do you think of like something like this? And she was just like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Do you think we should add another really? And I'm like, no, no. It's got to stay with, I think, the five. I really, 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 really. Oh, I'm sorry, six. Six, I even uh, messed up my own lyrics. Let's get to it. I want to hear it again. This part's boring. Here we go. You're welcome, Carly. Yeah, I hope you enjoy this song that I wrote for you. I really, 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 really. Yeah. I mean, that's good stuff. And you know, anybody that was listening to that, obviously the producer Grease Live were like, you know what? This girl's amazing. We've got to give her her own song. We've got to give her a solo. We have to. Why? Bigger than a net? Nobody's jugs are bigger than a net. <laughs> That's right. Nobody's jugs are bigger than a net. So, that's Grease Live. Very entertaining. Very entertaining. You know, later we're going to be talking to the uh, the great uh, uh, Scotty Gorenstein. Uh, actually, you know what? Um, why don't we just give him a call now and uh, see what he has to say? about uh, Grease Live, about uh, we're going to be talking about the uh, the Merv Griffin show again because you know I enjoy that, and uh, of course the Super Bowl. Let's give Scotty a call. Okay, uh, Scotty Gorenstein, how are you doing? Good morning, how are you? Good morning, nice to talk to you, my friend. Thanks. Uh, it's good to be on again. Well, it's nice to have you on again. Why do you have to live so far away? Um, you should be on every week. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> Maybe it will be. You are beloved. Uh, I don't think so. I know you love. That's nice of you to say. I know you love living where you live, but it is—it's too far for me. Um. Yeah. I mean, it can be a pain in the ass, but Jersey City is up and coming, or so they say. So they say, right? That's a, they've been saying that about lots of areas. I know yeah. where uh, David Tell moved a long time. They're like, yeah, this is uh, up and coming, and it hasn't been up and coming for twenty years. It's no, it really disgusting. isn't. There's tons of um, there's tons of construction going on. So all the reasons why I like it and that it's uh, kind of quiet over here will probably dissipate in the next couple of years. I know. I don't know if you heard what I, like by my building. Um, the best part about it was I had a view of the Silver Cup Studios sign. You know where they mm -hmm. filmed Sex in the City. <laughs> right. Uh, and now they blocked it with something they're doing on Roosevelt Island, and I don't know what it is, and it's really frustrating. Oh. That was like my favorite thing. And then I was walking down 57th Street yesterday, and now you can't even look across to Queens. It's all blocked by this building in Roosevelt Island. It's very upsetting. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I suppose it doesn't affect me in any way, but I don't know. It well, just... it does affect you if you don't have the same view that you I know. Have. I had a beautiful view from my bedroom. Mm-hmm. You know, the ladies love it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, no, nobody likes it. Um, no, nobody's ever seen it in 20 years. Uh <laughs> I'm thinking, you know, I'm trying to work that out. But I do feel sometimes we live on two different coasts, the way, <laughs> because it's so hard to get to you where you are. For me, if you don't have a car, it's very difficult to get to you. As I saw you last, after I did Artie's podcast, if I didn't have my car, I don't know how I would have gotten there because you don't really live by the path train. Um, well, it's about a 15-minute walk to the 
path. Yeah. And then I live on the complete opposite coast, so asking you to come in is not as easy as just getting out of the Holland Tunnel and, you know, seeing me. I live on the opposite side of town. It really does. You know how long it takes to get across town. You drive. Well, it's really, it can be a good, you know, one hour from yeah. my house to your house. I know. And it's, what is it, actually, five miles? Probably Seven. five or six miles. That's yeah. about it. It's pathetic. And it is incredible, too, that when I do drive uh, into the city without traffic, it, I mean, how quickly you can be, you know, places. I could be in the Upper upper East Side in a half an hour. If, if the, I mean, it doesn't even take that long sometimes without any traffic. Yeah, I couldn't believe when I left your place the other day how fast I got home. Because mm-hmm. it was late, early, and it's just that, you know, you're right by the Holland Tunnel. I mean, it's so convenient. And, you know, whenever I go to Jersey, I take out my car. Uh, you know, now I got that parking lot garage on the uh, on the west side, so it's a lot easier. Yeah. But it used to, from my neighborhood, it used to take me 45 minutes just to get out of the city. And there's, you know, there's nothing worse than for a lazy person like myself who can't decide whether to do. Th- I'm like, well, should I go visit this person? Should I go see my mom? You know, it's all about I got to call for the car. Then I got to take the city bike to the car. Then I got to get the car yeah. out of the city and battle uh, bikes, people, horses, and other cars. <laughs> it's such a nightmare. No, you definitely have it worse because you have to battle traffic going into either the Lincoln or the Holland. Um, yeah, I, it, it just drives me crazy because, you know, once you get in your car and you're heading somewhere, you just want to get going. Yeah. And at least when my car was parked around here, I could just get in the FDR drive and just, you know, even though I'd go through Staten Island or something, at least I was going. Mm-hmm. I was moving. Right. It just sucks to sit there anyway. Um, yeah. Anyway, you and I were talking about uh, the Merv Griffin show <laughs> last week, and I was so excited that you saw it because I was talking about it all last week because um, I was talking about there was an episode with Martin Luther King on, which was completely riveting. In the sense, I don't mm-hmm. think I've ever heard Martin Luther King speak like regular. You know, unless in a speech, mm-hmm. you know, where he's putting on a show. So hearing him talk to just an audience as a regular person was uh, quite enticing. And it's just so funny because, you know, it's the Merv Griffin show. Who knew? You know, maybe this is maybe a year before he, he got assassinated. And, yeah, uh, it's hard to think of him as as a regular person. Right, right. I mean, it's really it's just like, you know, <laughs> like you somehow have footage of Abe Lincoln or something, you know. I mean, yeah. it's uh, it's quite fascinating, and and then that I was playing another clip from the show last week, where um, you know, ten years later, he had uh, David Hasselhoff's first appearance. So uh, really running the gamut of, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so David Hasselhoff sings on the show, and they're like, "Are you ready for your debut?" And he goes, "What are you going to sing?" He's like, "I'm going to sing um, the theme from The Love and the Restless, uh, which is called Nadia's theme," and he's horrid, horrid. Wait, why was David Hasselhoff on the Merv Griffin show. Was he promoting? No, no, no. He was new. Song? He was a brand new singer that you know coming. He's trying to promote his career. He he wasn't known. It was 1977. Oh wow! I wouldn't have even thought that he'd be around at that he, time. Yeah, he was around for a long time. I mean, before he got Rider, which was early 80s, he was trying to promote his stupid singing career. He stinks. He sucked back then, even when he was younger. He he yeah. just doesn't get it that he's not good. And yeah, but you know, you say that and I say that, and there somebody uh, recorded him, and then someone booked him on a national television. That's because he was very, very good looking. I mean, he was ridiculous mm. good look. I mean, I'm looking at him. It's 1977. I mean, he's very handsome. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this happens often. I mean, look at Carol Channing. 
I mean, she's gorgeous. Oh, no, you know what? That's right. That's a good example of uh, somebody who's just got personality. Well, I think she gets it, though. So anyway, what we were saying, you and me were talking about that. You know, we had both seen the Merv Griffin. I, you know, I keep taping it every Tuesday. Completely fascinating. Carol Channing, I guess, 1966? Six, no, 65. Uh, no, 65. 65, when, 65 the, the last yeah. day of her in Hello, Dolly, and why she left that show, mm-hmm. who knows. And, well, um, she, went, she left it to take it on tour. Oh, she was going to—that never happens usually, right? I mean, nowadays. Oh, no, no, that always happened back then. The uh, actual star always. will go—oh, back then, you're saying, right. Oh, sure, back then, yeah. But, um, yeah, f- completely fascinating. The show opens— you know, uh, Merv Griffin has got. Uh, it, it, it's, he, I guess, he was taping right next door on Broadway his show, and then I they show. I think the Hello Dolly was at the St. James. We're talking on Forty Fourth Street, and That's I'm right. not sure the name of the theater that Merv was uh, broadcasting the show in. Well, I but think I it's a bowling alley you, now. <laughs> I was going to ask you what back then was the Merv Griffin show national, or was it in New York, or was it only seen in New York City? I believe it was national because then I was reading about it, and then he made a syndication deal. Like, I think it was on, like, NBC or ABC. Okay. And then he made a syndication deal for the rest of his life. I mean, the guy was obviously really good with money. Was it afternoon, or was it... No, I think it was a nighttime... I think it was to rival Johnny Carson, or whatever, whoever was on The Tonight Show at that time, Steve Allen. Um, I keep forgetting. It's so early on. I mean, I can't even believe it was so... Early on, yeah. No, I believe it was a nighttime show to rival Steve Allen or the Tonight, whoever tonight. was on the Tonight Show. Okay. Um, but it's so fascinating watching. You know, when you see the the pictures of old, um, you know, New York and the Broadway at that time and the shows that were there, which are actually, if you walk down, it's the exact same shows. They just keep reviving everything, so it doesn't right. look very different. But the people and everything, and then she comes out of the theater. And remember, you said the funniest thing. It was like the worst produced segment of all time. Well, it was. <laughs> it was. Uh, they tried to do all these, uh, let's say, special elements to the show that day, and they got them all wrong. <laughs> yeah, um, it was fascinating <laughs> to watch. It was. It was weird. So uh, the show starts, and uh, I think Carol was going to come marching over from the. Uh, Hello Dolly theater to his theater and she more or less is looking in the wrong direction for like 30 seconds while she's on this like tr- on this like uh, travel little like a like a, a a thing you get with you have a doorman like a like Something, a, a uh, rack like to a put cart, your yeah. yeah to put your stuff in from the car that you just and uh, I think <laughs> there's luggage there yeah yeah it's so strange none of it works none of it works yeah she gets on the um, she gets on the thing and then she realizes it's not happening and then just walks over to the theater it was very strange and then we said at the end of the show they have a live marching band come on the stage and that was that was horrible too they couldn't get them in the theater or they were doing it without music the entire time and then they finally started to play and they were going to uh carol was going to walk out with the band and some people are going one way carol's going the other uh it was just very strange yeah, and but, then, right, the band gets on were, there. The band gets on there. They don't even. They're like, oh, we're supposed to play. Yeah. yeah. I actually do. You, do you remember that the band was uh, one of the Mummers bands from the Mummers Parade in Philadelphia? I don't know they what that is. Ken, uh, okay, so Philadelphia has its own New Year's uh, Day parade. It's been going on for over a hundred years. It's called the Mummers Parade, uh, Mummers New Year's Day Parade, and uh, it's made up of uh, a lot of string bands. 
uh, guys playing banjos and anyway, so that's what that was from in fancy costumes. Are you sure um, it wasn't called the Hummers Parade? And that's um, maybe what you know. Um, I forget it. I don't know. <laughs> Yes, yes, I am sure. Being from Philadelphia. That's a horrible yeah. name for a parade. I mean, just absolutely horrible. Yes. I should know, actually, I should know where the, uh, the word mummers come from, and I don't. Yeah, you should, being a Philadelphian. Yeah, well, well. Um, anyway, we were, I think you were remarking about how odd it was that Carol Channing was getting a, practically an entire episode devoted to her last day on Broadway. Yeah. I was. What was the reasoning but, for? I mean, I guess she was a huge. Was she a huge star at that point? Well, I not mean, Broadway only was star. She a huge star, but Hello Dolly really was like a, just a monumental production back then. It was like it was pretty much the number one show for for a very very long time. Yeah, I think. It was, and Broadway captured the imagination of the country more so than it did does today. You know, uh, popular songs you'd hear. Broadway songs on the radio. They, we just obviously don't have that today. Yeah, it lasted um, from 64 to 70, 2,844 performances, uh, including Charles Nelson Riley. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, it faced competition from Funny Girl with Barbara Streisand, and it swept the, the Tony year. Awards. Mm. Um, yeah. Which is, which is funny, since Barbara Streisand completely screwed Carol Channing Later on, so she and she got that's her right. Revenge. Barbara yes. Streisand took the role of which everybody uh, complained Dolly about, right? I mean, it was ridiculous because Dolly was supposed to be an older woman. I mean, older being that Barbara Streisand. How old was she when she was in Hello Dolly? In her twenties, probably only about in her late twenties. Yeah, and it's supposed to be like a maybe a fifty-year-old woman, right? That's the yeah, that's the exactly. way the part's supposed to be played. Like, yeah, and, but Barbara Streisand wanted to play Hello Dolly and she was pretty much the biggest star in the world at that point and she got what she wanted it's fascinating that she was okay with that I mean only in the sense that that's just not the way, you know falling in love with Walter Matthau who must have been about 60 at that time I mean you know good for me uh, but uh, no you, you bring know. up a good point that she, you bring up a good point that she uh, actually allowed herself to be seen as playing older when we all know that doesn't happen very often no it's usually the opposite but then um uh, you you were so funny because now you know Bette Midler has been tapped to play. I mean, I didn't even realize this isn't coming out till 2017, and they're already talking about you know Bette Midler coming back and doing a revival one year from now. Yeah. And you put out the funniest uh, tweet I'd ever seen <laughs> with the white smoke from the picking the new pope as uh, the right well, I choice. Did that because that was you know, so funny. I tell in everybody. In my world, which is yeah, in my world, you know. Uh, Everyone I know has been to Broadway and, you know, the Bette Midler's and the Barbara Streisand's of the world. So my Facebook feed that day was just exploding <laughs> about, you know, the news of, of uh, Bette Midler and Hello, Dolly. Well, I day. usually uh, get so so. my news like that from you, so I appreciate well, that. <laughs> well, yeah, I took it to the extreme in, in uh, putting up a picture of the white smoke from the Vatican you and know, I said I think I said that this is what the Vatican looked like the moment it was announced that oh that right right <laughs> that's really yeah, funny yeah. Did you, the moment. I didn't know that the role was supposed to be made for Ethel Merman and that she turned it down oh we're talking about Hello Dolly yeah Hello um, Dolly sorry yeah yeah you know there's a lot of folks uh, I think Jerry has even said that well 
yeah, I guess it was for for Ethel Merman at the time. Um, and she, you know, Ethel Merman ended up playing Hello Dolly later. There was a a very a lot. They kept that show going by casting, you know, movie stars in. Oh, you know, I know. In the, uh, Ginger yeah, Rogers, Dolly. Martha Ray, Betty Grable, and Pearl Bailey in the all black version. But I think that was a successful version. I think they even recorded it too. So I think there's a, you know, there's a number of recordings of Hello Dolly, including Pearl Bailey's. Yeah. They love doing those all-black versions after a while, you know. It was a great idea. But, you know, what a great idea. In the 60s, that's uh, pretty uh, it's pretty intense. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it uh, was like the longest-running show until Grease came around, and uh, that brings me to my next point, Grease Live. Did you see it? I did. What do you think? I did. Um, uh I don't know that I actually like the story of Greece, you know, the show itself. Well, you know, um, what, you know what I felt is that uh, the story was the story was rushed, and it definitely took second place to the spectacle of what I thought Fox did an unbelievable job. They did. Yeah, it was exciting. That opening part with Jesse J was that was the greatest yeah. thing I've ever seen in my life. I mean, if you want to hype up an audience. That's been waiting for this. If you're, you know, a 15 year old girl or whatever, you know, that's like really excited about it, and you and me, uh, <laughs> I mean, that opening, I was hooked. I'm like, this is going to be the greatest show I've ever seen. And then they get into the the meat of the show, and you're just like, hey, this show sucks. But it, but it wasn't their fault. It's just like Greece technically sucks. But yeah, it was exciting to just see it all. You know, being done like that, I thought they did a really good job. I thought the performers were a little weak, even though uh, mm-hmm. it's very obvious that Julian Huff is very good. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they. Uh, but I think a lot of the singing performances weren't as good as they could have been. Well, I think the takeaway from the other night is that Hollywood is, you know, figuring out how to do these. Uh, live productions of you know of theatrical shows on television. You know, it all started a couple years ago with the Sound of Music, I believe, and then it That's was right. Peter Carrie Pan, right. and they have been getting progressively, progressively better. Uh, when you take when you compare what the Sound of Music looked like compared to Greece, you know they're like night and day. So uh, Fox really the other day. The other night, they really just completely rewrote the book on how yeah, to do it. They that. upped everyone's game uh, for the next uh, live performances. They, they used these gigantic uh, sound stages, two of them. It was great they going did, in and outside and then dealing with the rain and everything. It, that, it was very exciting. I mean, really, if you're going to do live, then do it live. And that's that is a having a live audience I thought was interesting. Uh, I don't know whether it's necessary, but it was interesting. Right. I like to take well, another risks, you know? I mean, you don't see that yeah. a lot anymore. Yeah, uh, and the ratings were very good. good. Very good. Uh, Four point seven, I believe. That's uh, that's better than any of the shows. Twelve million people, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty mm-hmm. good. Um, and just uh, real, uh, you know, the obvious uh, reason we're actually here today, the Super Bowl. Now, do you know why they have not announced a person to sing the national anthem yet? I oh, mean, I didn't know that. I don't know, but I was just wondering if you might know because I I can't understand what the holdup is. Oh. No, I didn't know that they hadn't announced it. Isn't that the strangest yeah. thing? They announce the halftime show winner like five months ago, 
But they right. won't announce who's going to sing the national anthem. I, I, do I, you I, think that's because they don't know yet? I do. I mean, I, I think they're just trying to decide. I can't imagine. Maybe they're trying to get somebody so big they have to. Well, who could be bigger than Adina Menzel? <laughs> who they should just have it do it again. So it shouldn't be that hard of an ask. Or pretty much anybody will always want will always say yes to this. I have a thing. feeling they're going to call me last minute. You know what though? I'll do it. I'll do it. I'm very good at singing that. I've done it before. Good thing you practice. But it's uh, it's a bummer because you know we got to bet on it, and they need your advice, but we don't have that information yet. Yes, we last can. year you were key in the first. Um, you know that was the first thing I won last uh, year, and it was a very successful year for me. I think the bet was how long would it take Indeed and Mendel to sing the anthem? That's was that right. The bet? Yep, that was the bet, okay. and it was some sweet magic. And uh, so this year, though, now you got the horrible, I mean, I can't stand uh, Coldplay. That, that's who's I, doing I the halftime show. Right, and Beyonce is like their guest. Thank God, because uh, okay. Coldplay stinks. Why you would get uh, somebody like that to, they, they have the most mellowest songs I've ever heard. They're depressing. I, I don't understand the, the reasoning for this. Uh, but do you know any other songs? Because you have to say which one they're going to open with, and nobody knows because they all stink. Um, uh, you know, I know Coldplay songs when I come, they come on the radio, but I don't know them well enough to even know a song title or to guess which song they might open with. So. Yeah. Oh. Well, well, here's one that you can help me with, and this, okay. you know, this is the kind of stuff I can really make some money on. What color will Beyonce's footwear be when she comes on stage for the halftime show? Here are the choices. Okay. Black, mm -hmm. gold, brown, okay. white, silver, gray, and any other color. I'm going to go with black. Yeah, that's three to two, so I think a lot of people are going with that. Smart it might be, it, um, she'll be doing a full, all, all black outfit. Now, here is um, a very prominent question. Will the left shark make an appearance on stage during the halftime no. show? Absolutely You're saying not. no. Okay, I think. Uh, Absolutely not. Are you sure? Because artists don't like artists don't like to copy other artists. They <laughs> want to do their own thing. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I was kind of looking forward to that left. It shot. would be brilliant, though. Pretty amazing. Um, yeah. So the, I mean, those are uh, basically the question. And then the the question is, I mean, do you know who's playing? <laughs> uh, yes, I think I do. It's uh, the Denver Broncos, along with. Uh, the Panthers? Are they That's the right. Panthers? Yeah, you got it right. Okay, but I don't know where they're from. Are they Carolina? They are from Carolina. Do you know if they're from North or South Carolina? Uh, let's go with North because I don't think cause South doesn't have a team. Correct. Okay. Very well. Uh, very well done. Well, now the spread. Well, here's. I had a question for you. Yeah. Uh, this the John John Elway, who's the quarterback, I believe. Uh, no. Yes, 20 years is, ago, is yes. He, is he very <laughs> – oh, wait, it's not John Allen? Oh, no, I'm sorry, Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning, yeah. Is he that ill? I mean, oh, I, um, I was hearing that he's, he's – He's 40, and uh, to you and me, you know, 40, you know, uh, many years back, uh, <laughs> doesn't seem that old. But if you are in football, 40, mm -hmm. you might as well be 70 years old or 80 years old because, you know, it's very difficult to – you know, play. It's not baseball. You know, where you're sitting around most of the time. I mean, you're in every minute. You gotta. I mean, think about this. Even, let's just say his arm is fine and his strength is good. When you make a big pass down the field, you still have to run down the field within 30 seconds to get the next play going. Right. 
that's got to be taxing, you know? Right. So that's what they're talking about. Plus, he has been injured. You know, the reason he's in the Broncos is because he had a huge neck injury along, uh, you know, a couple years back that he had to leave the Colts. And then recently he's just had some foot problems, you know, which is tough mm-hmm. for a, a quarterback when you're planting your foot um, to make a throw. And it's, it's, it's clear that his arm hasn't been as effective lately, and that's why they're making a big deal. And okay. then you got, you know, on the other side, this bright, fresh, young, unbelievable, completely mm-hmm. in in shape, um, you know, six-foot-five powerhouse on the other side that is, you know – just it's a it's two complete interesting stories and in a way you know obviously I'm rooting for Peyton Manning but I'm taking the Panthers because I'm just I don't want to end up like it did two years ago where Peyton Manning got stuffed by the Seahawks you know mm-hmm. uh, so what do you think um, the Panthers are favored by six points against the Broncos your thoughts I'm gonna go with whatever you say I have no idea <laughs> I know well who do you well, like one more question about Manning. So, but isn't the argument also that even though with his injuries, he still got his team to the Super Bowl? Well, that's what I say. That's why I don't understand. There's this guy Steve Serby from the Post, and he's like, "Why don't you retire already?" But I'm like, you know, exactly. The Jets aren't in the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, they would love a quarterback like Peyton Manning who's just getting by. Sometimes you just need. Lots of guys have won the Super Bowl by getting by, like Trent Dilfer. Or somebody like that for the the Bucks or the or the, you know at the time the Ravens, you know sometimes if you just don't make mistakes you can win the Super Bowl if your team can back you up if you have a really mm-hmm. good defense which they have, mm-hmm. so you know I, I I don't know why you know but it's just I guess the Panthers are this powerhouse and I don't think anybody knows what's going to happen except that we do know what happened two years ago and Peyton's even worse now and Peyton was on fire two years ago I mean he was the king of the world. You know, having an amazing comeback season. And this year, he's not okay. Plus, um, there was another quarterback along the way who played for about six games who's very handsome, by the way, Brock Osterweyer or whatever you pronounce his name. He played for the Broncos? Yeah, for about six weeks while Peyton was recovering. And he you know, did pretty season? good. Yeah, this season. Yeah, Peyton was out for a couple uh-huh. of games. And this guy oh, okay. kept it going for them. But then it's funny, when they knew they could get the home field advantage, they brought Peyton in in the second half and he won the game for them and really bought them to the Super Bowl. So it's very disconcerting to hear people just, you know, talk just so mean about him and stuff, but I guess mm-hmm. we'll see. I mean, if he comes triumphant, it'll be the greatest story ever told because that's how you want a guy like that career to go out winning his second mm-hmm. Super Bowl with another team and then he'll be a true living legend. Uh, which will be anyway, but the Super Bowl is what makes the difference because, you know, oh, even my God. though. What, yeah, what an amazing moment if he. Because we can assume this is his last game, correct? He's made it pretty clear he's probably going to retire after this. In fact, there's a line saying, will he announce it, you know, during the Super Bowl? So you can bet on that. Um, but I don't know. I, I see if I was him, I'd play another season with somebody else. I don't know. Just. He's still great. I mean, it's like who wouldn't want him? There's so many crappy quarterbacks. So. And the impetus they're saying would be the amount of money that he would get. I don't think anybody. He doesn't care about the money. In fact, I think he might have even taken less to make sure he, you know, the Broncos could uh, make a better defense and a better team for him. How about this guy? Huh? He like really wants to win. He's really competitive and he's really hilarious. I mean, there's never he, he's always going to do really well. I mean, he's just after this, he's just going to be the king of the world on television, you know. 
Mm-hmm. He's so personable and awesome. Do you think he'll go into broadcasting after he's I would retired? assume he could write his own ticket. I mean, he's so personable and cool and interesting, and he knows the game so well. The question is, the only other question would be, would he coach? But uh, oh. I think he'd go into broadcasting. I don't know. Mm-hmm. He knows the game so well, he doesn't need a coach. You know, he usually coaches his own game, and now that's the other question is that they have this other coach, Rob Kubiak, is like, well, do you want to play my way or your way? And he's not saying it's a bad thing. He's like, Peyton, what do you want to do? <laughs> mm-hmm. Now that you're injured, maybe we should do it my way, and that's what they've been doing. So the question is, can, can Peyton just be a normal player? He's not going to be Peyton. He's just going to be a quarterback who is listening to whatever the coach is telling him. That's the question. Now, what if it was reversed? What if Tom Brady was, let's say, retiring tomorrow? What do you think his future is? I'm asking that because he's not very I think he, liked. Yeah, right I think now. he rides into the sunset and he's never heard of again. Really? Yeah, I don't think he even goes into broadcasting. I really think he just wants to have nothing to do with anything. He just wants to play football, and he wants to play until he's like 45, and he just, you know, just doesn't want to leave. And I don't know. I don't think he'd go into broadcasting. I think he's just very quiet. You notice he doesn't do any commercials. Um, you know. Uh, well, he does some print. Does he? Yeah, he does like a bull of a watch, you know, something upscale. Yeah, well, nor like I said, he's not like Peyton, who's all over the place. I, mm-hmm. I think he's just interested in just settling down, you know, or I don't, I don't think he'll do anything. Okay. I mean, I, you know, I guess you don't have to, but, you know, like Brett Favre, where did he go? Right. I mean, but nobody's Brett seen Favre the likes of him, right, as, you know, since he retired. Yeah, but he's a not matinee idol like in the way that but Brady doesn't uh, feel that he is that way you know he doesn't he doesn't feel that way even though we know he's got unbelievable you know looks and but no charm whatsoever <laughs> you know but mm-hmm. but uh, I don't think he thinks he's good looking I don't think he cares I think he only cares about football oh okay and banging supermodels yeah <laughs> His wife makes more money than he does, which is isn't that unbelievable? Hard to, it's hard to wrap your it's head around fascinating, that. fascinating. Yeah, I mean, just she's the most successful model of all time. Is that right? Yeah, I guess that's about uh, right. Her or Kate Moss? Yeah. What about Christy Brinkley? She's the greatest. Take it back. It's, yeah, but Christy Brinkley's heyday was twenty-five, thirty years ago. When How they didn't dare you? She's still dollars. so hot. No, no, she's she's beautiful. She's sixty now. I know. But remember, 30 years ago, Christy Brinkley was 30. Yeah, I know. I mean, even even 30 years ago, she was past her. Yeah, I know. You know yeah, I just her saw her on, as far as you know, income is. I just saw her on an old Tonight Show. Um, you know, they've also been airing the old Tonight Shows along with the Murph mm-hmm. Griffin shows, and she was on, I don't know, in 80, 81. Uh, mm-hmm. So gorgeous, obviously. And so well-spoken. I was surprised. I always thought she was an idiot, but apparently uh, she speaks like French, and she, uh, I guess, you know, a lot of those supermodels are probably smart because they travel around the world a lot, so they're probably a lot smarter than we think. But uh, I was surprised then how, yeah, yeah, but I was surprised in how actually she was uh, talking some unbelievable stuff. I was very surprised because she really does kind of seem like an idiot, you know. <laughs> well, she's carved out incredible life for herself all, all this time. Well, then you always have to ask what her thing with men is because they just keep leaving her uh, and it's not like you have to trade her in for a new one because she's still really hot so she must be crazy. It's the only answer. Probably. The only Probably explanation. Is. 
And now yeah. I feel so bad for Billy Joel's uh, kid, you know, Alexa, the one he had with her. Because mm-hmm. this kid is, a, uh, from the start, you know, this poor kid, you know, she tried to commit suicide. They say, no, no, it wasn't suicide. Of course it's suicide. She, she comes from Billy Joel. She has none of his talent. She comes from Christy Brinkley. She has none of her looks. <laughs> so right there, you got to kill yourself, right? I mean, I can understand just being completely devastated. And now Billy Joel's having, like, another kid with his new wife. And she's like, oh, come on. And that kid's probably going to be, you know, a, a, a piano extraordinaire. And she's going to be like, oh, come on. Well, just like that, the moment that uh, Billy Joel's uh, newest wife had the, the the child, Alexa Ray's uh, net worth fell dramatically. Yeah, right. I know. I feel bad for her. I feel really bad for her. She seems like a nice person, uh, but she really isn't very talented. I've heard her music and her singing, and it's not good. She's trying I've to make herself up look uh, okay. Well, that's the fucking thing. Oh, sorry. That's the thing, um, is that she um, uh, she made a song called Notice Me. That was her oh, first right. song. It was so obvious. Oh, you know. And then they're like, no, it wasn't oh, a suicide. No. It wasn't a suicide. Uh, that's yeah. rough. Yeah, it is rough. That's rough. You know, listen, it's rough to come from, you know, one extremely well-accomplished parent to, to come from two. Is yeah, I know. And I was very like, fortunate because my, you know, I got all my parents really great looks. So I got very lucky. <laughs> and uh, you're welcome, America. Anyway, Scotty, thank you so much for uh, being part of the show. I appreciate it. Um, like I said, you're always the best guest ever. Oh, Dave, thank you. Thank you. Good night to speak with you. Yeah. I'll talk to you later. You got it. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, we are the boys of chorus. We hope you like our show. We, we know you're rooting for us, but now we have to go. I'm sorry. I've been waiting to play that for uh, weeks. <laughs> I don't know why. It just reminded me of something. Uh, I think me and Scotty actually used to do that bit uh, together. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes at a bar. Oh, we're the boys of the chorus. We hope you like our show. We know you're rooting for us. It's so funny because you can actually hear Bugs Bunny in the background. So. Oh, we're the boys of the chorus. We hope you like our show. We know you're rooting for us, but now we have to go. Yeah, that's the way I'm going to open my biography. I'm like, well, first it started. How did I get here? I used to do a chorus, remember? And then at the end, uh, he uh, ends up back in the same thing. Well, I got another performance. I'll see you later. <laughs> da, 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 da. Oh, we're the boys of the car is. <laughs> oh, that's the best. Scotty's the best, and um, he's an interesting fellow. Let me, um, we uh, just went right on to the Greece thing, so I just wanted to tell you about my uh, Sunday. I ended up going to Abe Vigoda's funeral, if you can believe it. It's true. And uh, I was surprised to see in the next day, it was in the headline of the Post, that I was there. No, uh, not that I was there, but that, that, that there was one. And it was so interesting. Jeff Ross asked me to go on Saturday. I was with my mother on Saturday. And uh, we, I was, she's going to Florida, so I had to put all her, her contacts into her phone that was a, a joyous chore to do. And then I uh, went to Staten Island to pick up my money from the, the box pool win from the championship that we won last week. And, um, boy, that that is just truly a scene right out of Goodfellas. We walk in, we're like, you know, I go with my friend Steve. Steve, you son of a bitch, how the hell are you? You look terrific. It's, it's like, really funny. But the bar that we were playing in, I'd never been there before, it's gross. I mean, it was really gross. It was like... 
full of vomit and duty and uh no maybe not that but it certainly smelled that way and the people are real dumb yeah i know it's hard to say but um you know i don't have to tell anybody i'm telling you i'm staten island everybody knows how it is unless you live there and even they kind of get it but uh yeah and they they had the pool all wrong they're like here's your 900 we won two thousand dollars like here's your 900 dollars and i'm like uh you know thank god i was with my friend steve who's like seven feet tall and you know he, he was just you know <laughs> i mean he didn't have to say anything but it was you know what was that about he's like oh i, I don't know why they gave you that amount i'm like yeah it's supposed to be uh two thousand and then he got to give the tribute the tribute you know what i'm saying otherwise there could be trouble so i had to give them two hundred dollars out of that thank god I, somebody told me about that otherwise uh i would have walked away thanks a lot see you next year jerk offs when i do my football pool i don't ask for money but i should but not 200 bucks i just want a gift card like in the movie easy a i want somebody to buy me a gift card for 50 dollars to uh you know dominoes or outback or you know something like that so anyway went to so i was uh, heavily in the news it was so funny reading the post yesterday i was like yeah i've been to all of these events that happened yesterday so we go to abe vigoda's funeral and um right on the cover it just has a picture of him going i um can you get me off the hook for old time's sake that's the the photo and uh it sucked, but I was sitting with Jeff and Gilbert Godfrey, and there was no other celebrities there, because I thought it would be kind of, maybe there'd be a cast of The Godfather somehow, maybe Jimmy Kahn would be there or something. Nobody was there. First of all, I didn't even know he was Jewish, and it was at a Jewish place. And there were like 20 people who spoke. It was horribly boring. I mean, first of all, his son or whatever, his nephew, this guy Dave Vigoda, whatever, I guess he's a frustrated writer. He talked for like 20 minutes. That's a dick move. And just told all these stories, and they were and they were horrible, and mostly about him. And when I wrote my first pilot, I said to Uncle Abe, but I don't know whether it was his father or whatever. I can't figure out because I think he only had one daughter, but I'm just not sure. But this guy was a dick, and everybody just talked too long. And it's funny that obviously the most exciting people and the only things you'll remember about it are Jeff Ross and and Gilbert Gottfried. Oh, and Mayor Dinkins was there, David Dinkins. He was really, see, he gets it. He got up there and he spoke for three to four minutes. And uh, he was a really nice guy. Now, I've never, he was a horrible mayor and everybody knows it. He might even know it himself. But what a delightful person in real life. He was very nice and, you know, he was really old. He was using a walker. He was sitting right in front. And we were talking for a little bit. He's a very nice man and, you know, you still call him mayor and it's pretty cool. He's, he's a very sweet man. And I think that's how he won. You know, kind of like Obama's going to be when we see, you know, it's like, he, he's not a great president, but come on. If he was on this podcast when we were having a beer or something, I mean, you know this guy's going to be awesome to to talk to and to hang out with. Just You know, I mean, it's just that's the way some people are. But like me, when I run for Manhattan Borough president, you know, I'd be like, oh, this guy's great to hang out with. He's a horrible Manhattan Borough president. But the, the thing is about being Manhattan Borough president, you can be a horrible Manhattan Borough president and still people will be like, that was great. What a great Manhattan Borough president because we've never – we didn't even know there was one before Dave Juskow became it. I really got to do that. I got to figure out how. But, uh, yeah, so we go to the funeral. So Jeff is uh, brilliant. I read his, all his material beforehand, and it was great, really funny. You know, he was there to represent the Friars Club because Abe was a friar. 
And then Gilbert got up last week. He was just screaming, and he was just really funny. And I don't remember some of the lines um, he had, but they were quoted in the paper yesterday. So it was fun. And then we walked. Me. And then there were, all the press was outside. It was very odd because, like I said, I didn't see any on the way in. And then me, Jeff, and Gilbert, and this other guy who I just met, who turns out he teaches. A, you're ready for this? The four of us were walking down the street because it was a beautiful day Sunday. We're just walking down Broadway. And this guy, I think his name is Eddie. I can't remember his name. I can't remember his name. I'm going to find out. Because you're ready for this? Are you sitting down? Have you had enough to eat? He teaches a course. Are you ready for this? Because seriously, I can't even believe I forgot about this. He teaches a course on the Godfather at Yale University. What? So then when we left Gilbert and Jeff, I was just walking with this guy. That's when he told me that. And I'm like, um, ironically, I'm doing a Godfather show on February 23rd. That's still on. It's still happening. I'm trying to cast it. Nobody's confirmed yet except for Irene Bremis. That's a nightmare. Everybody, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I really don't care. And I was thinking about getting myself and promoting it, but I think maybe I should just do this one and promote the next one. You know what I mean? Let's see how this goes. So February 23rd, still on on February 10th, next Wednesday, I'm doing a show at the Zinc Bar Um which Irene is setting up for me just so I can kind of get on stage again and do something. So I got to come up with some material. That's next Wednesday, 6 o'clock. I just said, can we just do it from 6 to 7? And I'll go on for like 15 minutes, and the other guys, everybody can have 10 minutes. We'll just do one hour. That's it. I mean, it's perfect. And it just gives me a chance to go on and, uh, you know, just get up in front of uh, no crowd. I don't even care if there's no crowd. At least it's, um, it's getting myself out and into the neighborhood, and then I'll feel better about uh, two Tuesdays from uh, today because I'm, I'm doing it I'm doing it there's nobody that's going to stop me it's happening whether I have to do all the parts myself or there's just me and, and Mama Corleone I will do it and it's going to happen and I, I uh, the crowd can't get angry it's only 10 bucks which I wouldn't even charge because I hate charging but you know I, I think you have to I, I believe you have to pay the staff they hate that. So we're walking down Broadway, me, Gilbert Gottfried, Jeff Ross, and this other guy, <laughs> who turns out to be the best guy actually ever. Um, and then we run into Curtis Sliwa and the Guardian Angels coming uh, into the subway right in Central Park, and they recognize Gilbert immediately. Apparently, Gilbert and Curtis Sliwa have like a bond, and they were hugging, and Gilbert's a strange dude, you know? And um, it was so funny. And they were like just – Curtis was like talking to us and he kept, you know, shaking our hand, giving us his card. He was a great guy too. It was interesting. Apparently the Guardian Angels are reuniting. I don't think they've been around – maybe they've been around, but they haven't done any, you know, subway work or anything since 1994 because of this new subway slasher that's been hanging around. They're going to guard the subways again. And I always liked them. It made me feel safe in the 80s. But I remember I was with Mike Royce. Uh, Mike Royce, who's now producing the Netflix original – all Latino version of One Day at a Time for some reason with Norman Lear, who's uh, Abe Vigoda's age, I think. Uh, Mike Royce used to be, he's like, oh, I, I, those guys scare me when they're here because the cops don't like them. And I'm like, I don't know. They make me feel pretty safe. So I used to like to see them in the subway when I was going home late at night back in the 80s, you know, when things were disgusting. And the fact that these guys are back again just shows you that our mayor is a bag of crap and the shitty is just going to hell in a handbag again after the 20 years of Giuliani Bloomberg who kept the city clean, safe, turned it all around from what it was and now this one guy has done, undone all that work uh, 
the homeless people and you know crime it's the the cops are hands are tied you know you need a, uh, somebody who's going to be tough and say i don't care what everybody thinks we've got to do our jobs so arrest everybody I mean, this guy's a mess. I mean, we got to get somebody in quick because the city's going to fall apart and undo all the work that those other two guys did. And quite frankly, I mean, after what happened in the caucuses last night, can you believe Trump lost? But when you think about it, how would he not lose? I mean, you know, the why can't I get angelical? You know, all those religious nut jobs. Uh, and Velichuk. Oh my God, I'm the worst with pronunciation. All those people voted for Ted Cruz. So I, don't, I mean, Donald Trump must be like, I, I don't care. I mean, I know that's not my crowd. He's been going around saying, No, I'm religious. I'm holding a Bible. Look, I mean, you're not gonna win. You're from New York City. You're not gonna win. You're from New York. You're not gonna win if that's who's voting. So in New Hampshire, he'll probably win. But this Ted Cruz has taken it, and he's like, yeah, this is going to be unbelievable. But, uh, yeah, those religious people are crazy. And the and how exciting are the Clinton and uh, Bernie Sanders? There's really no clear winner yet. I mean, they're completely tied. Now, this is exactly what happened eight years ago with her and Obama. And you know what? This is why I was going to change to the Democratic Party. You know, I'm a registered Republican. There's nothing I can do about that. Well, there is something I can do about it, but I tried to do something about it. When I was getting angry at the Republican Party for giving Clinton all this crap, that the Star Report, all that nonsense, I'm like, you know, I'm embarrassed to be a Republican that's just picking on this very good president and his personal life, which doesn't affect anything. Because this guy is a guy, Bill Clinton, who can do all this extra... There's a couple of people that can do... You know, those people that have, like, secret families... There are certain people that can just keep it together. They can do all these things and cheat on their wives and and cheat with people and not tell anybody. And they have the energy and the time for some reason, but they can still keep everything together. So if you don't care about that, that's fine. And that's what Bill Clinton was. They were just trying to pick on him, and it was pathetic. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to change. And I filled out a form to change to be a Democrat at a, a street fair once, and it never went through. And I'm like, you know what? Well, screw this then. And Because then, during that election with Obama and Hillary... I was watching the, the Democratic uh, Party, you know, headquarters with that idiot Howard Dean as the president. And they were deciding, well, what should we do? Because Hillary and Obama are neck and neck and we have to pick a candidate. Well, no, you don't. You don't have to. Are you going to do that again, you jerk-offs? Have, the par- have your own race be divided, you know, the Democrats, and, and have them choose there and then you'll go to the next place. Why can't you duke it out in your own party as well? So they're like, well, we're just going to pick Obama. Well, that's completely ridiculous. When I was watching these idiots go, I'm like, you know what? The Democrats are just as bad. They're just as bad. So I'm just going to stick with my party and then vote for whoever I feel is best. I'm just going to stick with the party I just happen to be a part of right now. Certainly, I don't have those religious nut views or anything. But, you know, I'm a Republican for other purposes, whatever. I, li- I told you, I like Trump, I like uh, Hillary. I mean, you know, I also think the way everybody thinks of Trump, but he's very entertaining, and I don't care if he's president. He'll be fine, and it'll be hilarious, and maybe he'll be able to fix the budget. In their way. Well, let- let's see what he can do. I don't know. It's not like anybody else is great. But I'm good with Hillary. I'm good with Sanders. I told you I was good with Chris Christie, but I tell you, if Bloomberg runs, he has my vote completely. That guy could maybe fix everything. I mean, I think everybody's into him running. Of course, I've only talked to people in New York um, I mean, you know, 
he should do it just take over since there's clearly no clear winner anywhere and somebody's looking for somebody and that's why Trump's doing so well people are just fed up and they just want to hear what he's dishing out but do not the Democratic Party do not just choose like all right you know what I think this time we'll go with Bernie Sanders just don't do that to Hillary that's rude and she should be angry she should have just run as an independent and just been so angry at what her stupid party did to her last time look at me getting all uh, crazy about politics that's not usual Dave Jusko this is usual Dave Jusko especially around Super Bowl time a kiss on the hand may be quite continental but diamonds are my girl's best friend a kiss may be grand but it won't pay the rental on your humble flat or help you at the automat Oh, my God, right? Where's Scotty? Scotty, I'm playing it for... Scotty, wherever you are. <laughs> That's what I'm going to play when he uh, passes away. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, that's... Uh, remember from last... That's from the damn Super Bowl, okay? I don't know which one. That was your... You know what? And you know what? Coldplay can kiss my ass. They suck. I would love to see that performance on Super Bowl Sunday. Tell me you wouldn't want to just see a 94-year-old woman running around in short shorts, like for some reason that's what she does, which is repulsive and will completely make you lose your erection. Uh, but I would love to see Carol Channing just singing Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend for the Super Bowl halftime show because Coldplay, they stink. I mean, and thank God they got Beyonce to single-handedly save the show, proper, you know, possibly. No, not possibly. Coldplay stinks. I mean, they stink. I, I don't know their appeal. I can't figure it out. I, I, I'm reminded again of the movie Clueless, where, uh, you know, Elton is really into the Cranberries, you know, the worst band, and Elisa Silverstone says, like, ugh, I don't like your complaint rock or whatever she says. Because that's what it, that's what they sound like, the complaint rock of the 90s. That's Coldplay for you. And even that stupid song they have, the Viva La, La Voda, whatever it is, which maybe they'll open with. Maybe I'll put a little wager on that. Because they should open with that because that's the biggest song. It's ripped off from Joe Satriani, and he's going to be still angry. He's going to be angry, all right. But, uh, yeah, so let's go over, actually, uh, to the Super Bowl. Let's see what we've got here. Now, normally, again, right, I would have my uh, my boys with me and Scotty, and I was supposed to do this on Sunday, but as you can see, my Sunday was full of uh, interesting activities. So, and nobody was able to make it to my house. So I wanted to just, you know, tape it on a Sunday afternoon, have a good time, but yeah, I do it in the morning. Tomorrow, I'm going to the Nets game, so I couldn't do a show on Wednesday, and then Thursday, I got a date again with that, that girl who's, you know, uh, drunk all the time. I met her last Friday. She had just gone to a Big Ten alum, uh, no, a Big Ten party, which, you know, I'm like, oh, my God, I love this girl, right? She's going to a Big Ten, you know, media party. And so I met her, and she was already hammered. She was drinking since 11 a.m. That's exactly what happened last time. And then when you ask her a question, she goes, what? And I'm like, are you doing that on purpose? Is that the way you actually say what? Or are you that drunk? Or is that the way you say what? What? I'm like, oh, my God, you are a mess. I'm like, well, I don't want to cancel my date, which was very nice. Isn't that sweet? 
you know, I don't know what I'm going to do. Wednesday, I went out on a date with this girl. We went to a meatball shop. Uh, and I know she likes me. And she had told me that she went away at the beginning of January on a trip with, she's a student, but she's 36. I don't know what, she's obviously a mess. And uh, then she said she wasn't going to kiss me tonight. I don't know what that means. And then I found out, you know, through interrogation, that she met some guy in Barcelona and is so into him that she didn't want to cheat on him. Can you believe this? Then why did you go, agree to go out with me anyway? It's just plain rude. And that meatball shop, though, I got to say, it was pretty good. And then uh, there was a girl that I knew there in it. We talked for like 10 minutes, and then she was angry about that. Now, why would she be angry if I'm talking? To, I mean, yes, it's rude to talk to another girl, but she also she knew where I knew the girl from, and we were just talking, and I was including her in the conversation. And she was a lovely girl, and I don't think we were flirting. Yeah, maybe we were. But still, right? It's uh, Clearly, it's uh, not a date. But last night, I went out with a girl that I really liked. And she was telling me she was dating this guy who I know. I just found out who it was. And he, he used to be on a TV show. And I've met him several times. And he's a very nice guy. But he's been cheating on her. He's been cheating on her. And she's still going out with him. Now, how is Dave Juskow supposed to compete with that? What is going on with these girls that think nothing of themselves and would continue to go? Apparently, he's cheated on her multiple times, but she's still like, well, well? How am I supposed to win? What am I supposed to do? That doesn't make any sense. I mean, it's weird, right? Why would somebody continue to date somebody like that <sighs> I don't know I'm very confused by it it's been bothering me all day and that just happened last night but whatever I guess uh, anyway to point to the story oh right so Thursday I'm going out so anyway I couldn't do the podcast blah 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 so the Super Bowl is Sunday I'm in, uh, okay, I'm in the $500 box pool in Staten Island. I'm in a $100 box pool at Baker Street. Uh, and I got a couple of other 20s hanging around. So I'm in the box pools. And you know I've been doing very well with the box pools, but that is luck. Then I have my regular bookie. Now, last night I started what I've been doing for years, 20 years, is I start Super Bowl week. I keep doing three-team parlays. And this year, I'm just going Panthers in the over. I don't know what else to do. I remember I was all hooked up two years ago with stupid, I think this is why I'm angry, with Peyton Manning, Broncos in the over, Broncos in the over, everything. And that was a desire. I had a chance to win $1,000 with just three bets, and all I needed was the Broncos in the over. I even had the Broncos in the under, but I had the Broncos. This year, I'm going all Panthers. How do you not, right? I'm not falling for that again. But it's the, the Panthers minus six, and I think they could be up a lot, and then, you know, Broncos could come back like they've been doing everybody, and they end up winning by three. I don't know. But last night I started to do three teams. So I start with one basketball, and then I go to the Panthers in the over. And I went with the Cleveland Cavaliers over the Indiana Pacers minus five. It turned out to be a push. 
last night. So I'm still in it to win it right now. Broncos and the over doesn't pay as much, but still it will pay if the rather the Panthers and the over happens. But it is tough. You know, I don't even know whether the over is going to happen, but I'm not taking the under. That's like the worst bet ever. So at some point I should probably change it to the Broncos and the over. Maybe one of the bets should be that. That way you can soak up all the other ones. But you still got to bet a good basketball one, too, to go with it to keep the bet for the week. So that's the way I've been doing it. Now, here are some of the other odds I might bet on. Will Peyton Manning announce his retirement in the post-game interview? If you bet yes, you get plus $500. That's completely worth a chance. If... But I don't know whether he would. He might. Eh, who knows? Will Peyton Manning be seen crying at any point during the entire broadcast? I'm not betting that one. I don't want to see him. And, and it says, note, live pictures only must clearly see a tear. <laughs> I love this shit. How many times will Cam Newton do the open shirt Superman motion during the game? The over-under is 2.5. I might take the under on that one. I don't think he would do that more than twice. Halftime does not count. If Steph Curry is shown on TV during the broadcast, what will he be wearing? A personalized Carolina Steph Curry jersey, no jersey, or a Cam Newton jersey, or any other kind of Carolina jersey? That's an interesting one. I guess they're friends. Will that officiator guy that they have on uh, CBS, Mike Carey, be wrong about a challenge? That's an interesting one. Now, how about this one? Are you ready for this one? Will there be an earthquake during the game? Uh, maybe I'll take a wager on that uh, for yes. <laughs> Note, and the notes are the best. The announcer must indicate there was during a live broadcast from kickoff until final whistle. Why do you suppose that needs to be noted? Well, I guess there must be some guys that are just like, there was an earthquake. It just, you know, it, it, the seismic didn't register. I guess that they have to make it clear. <laughs> That's a great bet. Will the Panthers player who scores their first touchdown give the football to a boy or a girl? You're minus 200 if you pick a boy, but you're plus 150 if you pick a girl. So that's not a bad one. I'd pick a girl for plus 150. Put 20 bucks on that, you know. Actually, you know what? I'm going to take that one. How many times will the Golden Gate Bridge be shown during the broadcast? This is a good one. The over-under is only 0.5. I think it will be shown about three to four times. So if you take the over, it's minus 300, so it's not a good bet. I can't believe it's only 0.5. Um, Because you know they're going to show it like multiple times. It's only from kickoff to the final whistle and halftime doesn't count. But you know they're at least doing it twice. There's no way you're not doing multiple wide shots when, you know, you're having... I mean, you know, that's why you do it in San Francisco and not Jacksonville. How many times will John Fox be said during the broadcast? Interesting, because he was the old coach. The over-under is only one. How many times will Archie Manning be shown on TV during the broadcast? Now, this is good. The over is 1.5. So the question is, I think he'll be shown twice. 
So I might take money on that bet. But that's the kind of thing, the kind of bet is you have to concentrate the entire time. You know, and a lot of times I'm talking, I'm moving around, I'm getting my little cans of beer. I'm going to Lee and Laura's, you know. I got my cans of beer, my little cans of beer, you know, my nips. My Budweiser nips, I get them in Jersey. How many times will John Elway be shown on TV during the broadcast? The over on that is 2.5. Uh, will the announcers mention that uh, Rob Kubiak was always backup during the broadcast? I don't know. What here the best one. What color liquid will be poured on the winning coach? And we won that one last year because I think it, I went, we went with red. Red is six to one. Orange is five to four. Blue is three to one. Uh, <coughs> oh, you know what they're saying? Orange. Well, right. They're saying orange in case the Broncos win or blue. Yeah. Huh. The Panthers, right? Red might be weird. Why would they make red? If you're going to make liquid, make it with your uniforms. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Maybe we shouldn't bet that one. Who will the Super Bowl MVP mention first? This is the best. Two to one. It's going to be God. So I, I think what they're saying is if Peyton Manning wins, he'll mention his team first, which is also two to one. And if uh, Cam Newton wins, he might mention God. They're saying the black guy will mention God. The white guy will mention the team. Uh, City and fans is 6-1, to one, so that's worth a bet. The coach, no way, 15-2. to two. And the family, 15-1, to one, no. I think you go with, uh, or does not mention any of the above. Um, I think you take a shot with the city and fan. Nah, no, nah, they'll probably be third. I guess go with team. Well, God's a really good bet. And which song will Coldplay play? Screw them. They stink. And then Viva La Vida. That's what's five to one odds. So, yeah, that might be worth it. Uh, we already talked to Scotty about Beyonce's footwear, Left Shark. <laughs> How many million viewers will the Super Bowl will be over 117 million? 117 million. They're saying you can make a bet whether it will be over 117 million. Do you remember what we said about Greece? 12 million. 12 million. They're saying 117 million. They're o- and Greece got a 4.7 in the ratings. I mean, it blew away the competition that night. Let's see, I have the... Uh, where is it? Got a lot of football props here. Oh, my. Oh, bye. Oh, I guess I had it before this. I'm sorry. I just wanted to, in comparison, okay, Greece got a, well, this says 4.3. I thought it was a 4.7. Uh, 4.3, 12 million viewers, 4.3. Beat the shit out of anything else on that night. Six, um, You know, uh, American Ninja War. I, they didn't even, clearly NBC didn't even bother signing on. Uh, Madam Secretary got a 1.1 in Gallivant. Finishing its season two finale, that's got to be at a zero point six. I mean, that's a disaster. And the going up against the Good Wife, nothing. I mean, it, it was ridiculous. They blew the cup. A four point three, the highest, the closest one was American Ninja Ninja Warrior on NBC at uh, uh, one point four. So there, I mean, think about that. Twelve, four point three, and they are expecting that you can bet on. A 43 share, a 43 uh, rating, where 
Greece got a 4.3. Is that what I said right here? Yeah, 48.5. That's what they're expecting, and you have to take the over or under. You know how good these guys are. A 48.5, $117 million. The Super Bowl is king. Uh, and here's a great one. How many wings will Buffalo Wild Wings sell on Super Bowl day? The over-under being 12 million. Wow. I know I'll be part of that 12 million. Obviously, I'm going to take the coin toss. Uh, I can't help myself. I mean, that is the best bet in the whole world. It's a 50-50 chance. I have to sneeze. Sorry about that. I think I got excited. Um, I might take, you know, I'd be like taking the total team points. The Carolina, Carolina Panthers, 24 and a half over. But in the first half, it's 11 and a half team points, Carolina Panthers. I might take that bet. 11 and a half? I like it. The first half. On the flip side of that, if you take the Denver Broncos in the first half, it's only nine and a half. That's a pretty good one. Will there be a score in the first seven minutes and 30 seconds of the first quarter? I used to love that bet. It's only minus 160. It's worth a shot. Will there be a score in the first one minute, 30 seconds of the first quarter? One minute, 30 seconds. They're basically saying, could there be a kickoff return? It's not a bad bet because it's plus 1,000 if you say yes. So that's pretty good. Uh... Will there be a penalty for excessive celebration? I like all that kind of stuff. Well, I don't know. I mean, that's... uh, I'm not sure exactly what I'm going to do. Obviously, I will read you all my bets next week. Uh, Maybe. If I win, I'll read them all. If I lose, I may never want to talk about it again because I'm going to be in big, big trouble. So, I don't know. Um... Just a couple other things in the news I wanted to point out I was reading in the paper today because this keeps happening. They have an article on a uh, a yoga, a, a, a female yoga instructor, a very noted yoga female yoga instructor. Uh, this girl who was a, a student of a female yoga instructor, her name, she's very pretty, Holly Faru, is suing her yoga teacher after she was allegedly pressured into posing for nude photos and cuddling with the woman. And they tell the whole story that this girl was her trainer and the trainer was like hey can I sleep over tonight because of that and then she got into the bed she goes no this is what I do with all my students it's like when that shit happens you know say like no this is weird how can this girl sue this woman she clearly didn't do anything she didn't want her to do it's really it really makes me angry she goes yeah her teacher started to spoon and cuddle with her And she kept insisting she was straight. Well, you know, that's where you get up and say, I'm sorry, I feel uncomfortable with this. Would you please go back on the couch? Or leave. Then she, the yoga instructor asked her, allegedly asked her to pose for nude sexually suggestive photos. In exchange, she was praised as a model student. And then the, you know, obviously lesbianic woman who's not very attractive, and the other one is, uh dumped her for another woman so that's what this is about she's scorned because she dropped her for another woman and she's suing please don't let her win come on we gotta put a stop to this nonsense it's horrible 
It's what's making everything bad in the world. Oh, my God, really? You know what? I'd like to sue that girl from last night who's still dating that guy that's cheating on her. I'm going to sue her. Is that what you want? I mean, are you kidding? And here's another one. Lawyers for Bill Cosby will be back in court on Tuesday to determine if he can be interrogated again over a 1974 sex assault allegation. Judith Huth alleges that Cosby molested her at the Playboy Mansion in 1974 when she was 15. Do you see my point here? What the fuck are you doing at the Playboy Mansion at 15? What are you exactly expecting is going to happen at the Playboy Mansion when you're 15? How dare you? I am not condoning Bill Cosby's actions, rape actions, or women's choice of, uh, you know, whatever. You know, you know what I'm saying. We talk about this all the time. I'm not being anti-women. I'm not saying that this shouldn't have happened. What I'm saying is... Who the hell lets their daughter go to the Playboy Mansion at 15 and what are you expecting to happen? Let's say she had bad parents. This is a stupid choice by a 15-year-old girl. What happens in the Playboy Mansion stays in the Playboy Mansion. You know what you're getting into. I don't care whether you're 15. That's not Bill Cosby's fault. He's saying, I'm allowed to sleep with 15-year-olds because I'm at the Playboy Mansion. It's, it's implied. It's like if Roman Polanski had done this, what he did with this girl at the Playboy Mansion, I don't know how you complain. When people sue for getting raped at the Playboy Mansion, not raped, but, you know, molester, if they sue for, uh, he didn't say no, and I don't know, you know, it's a rape. What, what are you expecting? What's supposed to happen? You know everybody's sexed up. If it happens on a subway, I get it. But I mean, you, what do you go? What do you? What's a girl going to the Playboy Mansion for if she's not expecting there could be trouble from somebody who's drunk? You know, I'm sorry, that's ridiculous. And again, when we're talking about that yoga instructor, we're talking about another girl, Bill Cosby. You know, we're talking about the picture pages, and he he slept with the girl three times, and she's like, "Yeah, he drugged and raped me, and like raped you three times on three different occasions. You went back for another rape." Well, the first time I didn't know it was rape. <laughs> you know, I, I, I thought I had just felt queasy and then you know, went back. Well, how about the third time? The third time I just wanted his cock. I mean, seriously, right? I mean, it's, uh, it's getting a little out of control. It's getting a little out of control. Anyway, I think that's our... I think that's our show for today. I'm pretty sure I covered everything. Let me... Uh, eh, we'll be fine. <laughs> Guess we'll end with what we started. A little grace is the word, huh? Oh, I'm telling you, watch the YouTube clip of this. It's unbelievable. You'll see what I'm saying. You'll be like, boy, this is really ambitious, you know? I mean, it really was impressive. But like I said, the rest of the stuff, the dialogue, the stuff, it's all weird. It doesn't make any sense. They updated a couple of the dialogue. They were just like... They're at the drive and they're like, God, wouldn't it be great to just watch a movie in your own home anytime you could? You know, I like that kind of stuff. It's kind of funny to update that. Why wouldn't you? Why not? Why not? Why not? Heck, I'm doing it with The Godfather. Or should I just do Grease Live Live? You know, maybe I should just change it up and just do what I want to do, which is clueless. Ugh, right? Anyway, uh, geez, I guess enjoy the Super Bowl. I'm going to go to Lee and Laura's. Um, 
I'm going to cans of beer. So Friday, I'm going to see, I'll be seeing Artie Lang at the Stress Factory. Uh, he asked, I told you he asked me to open for him. I'm not interested. Uh, so Friday, I'm going to be seeing Artie Lang at the Stress Factory. Saturday is uh, my sister's doing a production of The Little Mermaid. I got to go to. God damn it. You know, which I can't concentrate because I know Sunday's the Super Bowl. And I think I got to cook on Sunday. I'm thinking about making spicy chicken lasagna rolls. What do you think of that? Or should I make those individual, uh, you know, seven-layer dip cups again? I don't know. Everybody likes those. I think they like them, or they just like the design of it. But it takes a lot of work, you know. And I don't know when I can do it. I'd have to do everything Sunday morning. But I get very excited about the Super Bowl because, you know, all the bets are in. It could all be. And then by the end, I'm just so disappointed and spent. But maybe this will be different this year. I don't know. I'm not going to end up not being happy for Peyton if he pulls it off because I have to bet against him. I have to. I don't know. I guess we'll see. Anyway, enjoy the Super Bowl. Enjoy the week, everybody. And I guess, jeez, uh, I guess I got to do a show Wednesday the 10th. So, Oh, and also Tuesday the 9th, I'm going to the Devils game to um, Martin Brodeur is being honored. And I've been looking forward to that for a year since they announced... Uh, the day of his uh, retirement and this is going to be the celebration for the great the great Martin Brodeur on that day so uh, yeah should be a great week next week but we will definitely be doing oh right I wouldn't be able to yeah, I guess I'll have to do it on Thursday I guess it'll be a later in the week podcast uh, maybe it'll come out on Friday I don't know but I promise I'll get you one ladies and gentlemen have a great week and a great Super Bowl Sunday and we'll see you next week on the Dave Scott podcast Is the time, is the place, is the motion, Christmas is